everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Borderline Podcasts from Borderline Panels. I am Austin, here bringing you yet another excellent episode about anime and all that fun stuff. And here with me, I have Tori. Hi. How's it going, Tori? It's going. How's your day been? It's been good. Um, I did nothing. I ate a lot of food today, mm-hmm. and we went to see an anime movie again. Yeah, we did, and uh, it was actually really, really good, um, and we are going to share that with you guys in just a moment, uh, but before we do that, I have a couple of little things I want to get out there and talk about. Um, Asheville Anime Regional Convention is this Saturday. Uh, July 29th in Asheville, North Carolina at the U.S. Cellular Center in downtown Asheville. And uh, we're really looking forward to this particular uh, convention. Um, This is a really small convention in the grand scheme of things. It's only one day, um, but we have been a handful of times and we always have a great time. Tori, you haven't had a chance to go yet with us, right? No, I didn't get to go last time you guys went. I think I had to work, so... Okay. Um, Well, this... Con is very small and very charming, and uh, very excited to be there. Lots mm-hmm. of uh, cool people and fun people are going to be there, um, so we're really looking forward to it. And uh, we have about seven panels that we're going to be doing. Uh, we talked a little bit about that in the last episode, but if you guys didn't get a chance to hear that one, uh, we are doing seven panels in one day, so we're stretching ourselves pretty thin, but we think we can handle it. But most excitingly about this weekend, we got the final confirmation um, just about a day ago that we will be able to have a special interview on this podcast with the voice actor Paul St. Peter, um, most well known for his role as Xemnas in Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kurama in Naruto, and a lot of other roles in uh, various anime and video games. Um, So we are super excited to have him on the show, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And if you guys have any questions that you would like to address to Paul, um, please uh, send them to us on our submission form on our website, which is borderlinepanels.wordpress.com, or go on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash borderlinepanels, and find the um, announcement post where that is listed, and you guys can type in a comment that you would like to... uh, be posed as a question to Mr. St. Peter, and um, if it's a really good question, which I know it will be from you guys, um, we might consider asking him your questions. Um, So that would be a lot of fun. Uh, We're sitting down and thinking of lots of cool things to talk to him about, so we're uh, very, very excited about that. Um, Speaking of our website, um, we've been trying to use it a little bit more often for more Um, more posting, more editorial style things uh, for us to do in between cons and in between podcasts. Uh, Right now, the main thing that we're doing on there is that Sully is playing through Kingdom Hearts 1 for the very first time and is blogging all of his experiences with the game. Um, So that has been a very interesting experience, especially for uh, members of Borderline like myself and like Tori, who played Kingdom Hearts when we were very, very small. Grew so, up with it, essentially. Yeah, basically. Um, but Sully never did, and that's totally fine. But uh, getting his perspective on playing it through for the first time uh, has been quite a treat. So, um, yeah, check that out on the website, and it's very, very entertaining. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, 
Oh, right. Uh, so I wanted to make sure to mention this. I always keep forgetting to mention it whenever we do podcasts. But if you listen to our podcast and you like what you hear, or if you hate our stinking guts in every way possible, uh, we want you to make your opinions known by giving us a rating on our Facebook page, if you would like, or on iTunes, or by sending us some direct feedback in the form of an email to borderlinepanels at gmail.com or on our submission form on our website at borderlinepanels.wordpress.com. Now, with all of that being said, all of those housekeeping things taken care of, uh, we're going to jump into our topic, which is talking about uh, Crunchyroll and Crunchyroll's recent uh, anime movie night, which this time around is The Ancient Magus Bride, and they showed the first three episodes of the new uh, season that is coming out later this fall. Um, this originally premiered at Anime Expo a few weeks ago, but now they're doing the uh, Crunchyroll Anime Movie Night series. Um, this is the second time that they've done it. Uh, the first Anime Movie Night was a few months ago with uh, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, which Tori and I also went to go see. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on that, you can check out that podcast. Um, but we went to go see this one this time, and it was very, very cool. And uh, this time they actually had a neat little, like, special thing before uh, the movie came on where they did a preview and a little, like, behind-the-scenes video of Crunchyroll's very first original project. Um, and they it's a project called uh, Children of Ether, and it is created and directed uh, by an American uh, named LaShawn Thomas, who is a uh, seasoned talent um, on lots of American productions uh, like Kim Possible, and he worked on The Boondocks and The Legend of Korra and other shows like the DC Warner Brothers animated superhero films. Um, So he's been in the industry for a good while, Um, and it's a co-production between him as the director and lots of other like seasoned anime talent, people that have worked on stuff like One Punch Man and... Lots of really cool things, um, and uh, one of the staff members that they had in this little behind-the-scenes uh, video that caught my eye whenever I was researching him is Mitsuo Iso, who is an animator that has worked in anime for a very long time. He was a key animator on Evangelion, the original series, um, FLCL, he was the creator of Coil. And he worked as a key animator on like Ghost in the Shell and Perfect Blue. That's so, cool. yeah, this project looks like really awesome. Mm-hmm. And they showed like a 15 minute uh, preview of like the first episode. And it just strikes me as like super cool. And I love it. And yeah. it looks wonderful. Like, what did you think about it? Um, the story was really intriguing, even the, in that little bit. I think, you, like you said, it was 15 minutes. I was just like, okay, keep going. Mm-hmm. Let me watch this first episode before I watch this other anime I mm-hmm. came to see. Like, I thought the character designs are really cool. Um, and I can definitely see the fact that, you know, it's a, a project led by um, a lot of American influence mm-hmm. in the character the way the characters are designed um they remind me a lot of um like comic book characters mm-hmm. um and i know that that was brought up in the little behind the scenes thing about how he got a comic book artist or some comic book artist to do the key concept art and stuff mm-hmm. um so that was pretty cool 
Um, yeah, and the main uh, character designer for this project did uh, Michiko and Hachin, mm-hmm. which is a super awesome show if you guys haven't checked that mm-hmm. out. Um, all the representation, too, throughout mm-hmm. the characters was, like, really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was really, you know, taken aback to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I really want to watch it when it comes out. Yeah, me too. Um, and just... Like, going back to the thing about representation, um, it's really awesome to see, like, you know, African-American talent, you know, happening in the anime industry. because sure. Just because of the way that Japan is as a culture, and they're not a very diverse society. So it's, it's very, very rare that um, an African-American or just, like, any talent other than Japanese, like, to be working and making anime so seeing this as like a world collaborative project Mm -hmm. is just like super awesome and you know I turned to you and I said earlier like like this is my prediction that you know as anime has become more of like a global market in the Mm -hmm. last well 10 years or so that you know after a while Japan is going to have to realize that like their you know, they're, um, like, the anime industry can cater to the world, not just Japan, and there's a lot of money to be made there. Absolutely, and I think if they want to be innovative and keep bringing out things that feel new and fresh and not the same problem we run into here, where we just keep remaking the same things over and over and over, Mm -hmm. they need to tap into other talents and other people that Mm -hmm. they might not think to do. Right, and um, I think if this project is successful, which it totally has the potential to be based on the the preview and the talent that's involved with it, um, I hope that this opens the door for more projects like this happening in the future. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool. So definitely keep uh, Children of Ether on your radar um, for whenever it comes out on Crunchyroll. Sometime... I. It didn't actually give a release date, did it? No, they didn't. Um, I'm not sure exactly when... Um, that is supposed to launch. I know yeah. that they announced it last October, and now we're getting like the preview and the oh, trailers and all okay. that sort of thing. So I would assume maybe later this year or maybe sometime next year or okay. something. But either way, it's probably not that far out. Yeah. So, um, but after that, they showed uh, the Ancient Magus Bride movie, um, and that was really, really interesting. Um, I had watched the first two episodes that are out of the uh, prequel OVA that are currently on Crunchyroll Mm -hmm. and read maybe, like, the first chapter of the manga or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, neither Tori nor I were, like, super familiar with the source material going in. I cheated and read the first volume of the manga on the way to the movie theater, though, so just throwing that out there. I wouldn't call that cheating. (laughs) That's that's being being proactive. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, good good on you for doing that. I didn't Mm -hmm. even do that much, so... Um, but I was immensely entertained and I can't believe just how much I felt, you know, during that very short amount of content that we got. I know. And it combined, um, two of my favorite things and it did it so well. Strong, well-written fantasy and strong, well-written romance. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know it hasn't... I know it hasn't fully gone into everything quite yet, but I was just so impressed on those three episodes alone, and um, the three episodes that they showed covered the first volume of the manga, and that mm-hmm. was my prediction before we went in, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, 
it was already good, like, when I was reading it, but seeing it animated, like, some of the scenes just had so much more impact. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the dragon, the little dragon sub story. Mm-hmm. Um, With the, the older dragon, mm-hmm, you mean? Okay. Yeah, like, I was getting teary-eyed at that, and yeah. I was just like, ah, oh, like, it was such a... That made me feel a lot because mm-hmm. it was it just sent across this message to me that like you know and it was mentioned earlier but kind of like you know no matter your circumstance you are around to do something and even after you mm-hmm. die you still have some impact like you know the yes. dragons became plants and mm-hmm. like rocks and the foliage mm-hmm. <laughs> so the circle of life Simba. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so let's let's tell the audience a little bit about what ancient magus bride is about okay are you leaving that to me if you want if you okay want. well if i you... did it for the other one so yeah go for it <laughs> where's ryan when you need him <laughs> um, <laughs> hi ryan so anyway the basic plot we have the main character um chise cheese no chise <laughs> i'm and sorry <laughs> her mother um committed suicide and she was abandoned by her father and she's kind of in this turmoil of well you know the relatives that I had didn't really want me because they thought I was weird because I could see spirits Mm -hmm. and um, other life forms that most people can't see Mm -hmm. so the solution to her problem was to be like yeah I'll sell myself off to whoever buys me so I have a place to go and call home no matter how it may or may not suck I'm Um, they didn't really go into how that happens. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really fascinated to figure out, like, you know, how did how did her life lead her to that situation? Mm-hmm. I know there was that one scene where there was, like, a flashback where, um, spoiler alert, meant to put a spoiler <laughs> alert before all of this, but we're going to spoil the heck out of the first three episodes of Ancient Magus Bride, just saying, um, where she was, like, having that flashback yeah. where she was, like, in high school, I suspect, and, yeah. like, she was you know, contemplating, like, killing herself. Yeah, that really hurt me. And then she decided not to. Yeah. And, like, the dragon talks to her about it. And, and she's he was like, like, good thing you didn't decide to fly because humans can't fly, can they? And I was just like, oh. Yeah, that that was that was a wonderful scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, very sad. But, you know, it, it tells you a lot about that character in just a very small, short scene. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm going to assume that, I mean, if... I'm gonna yeah. I'm totally gonna assume that they're gonna go into how she got to that point mm-hmm. either in the last episode of the OVA or later on in the series through yeah. flashbacks. But um, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, me too. But um, I didn't mean to interrupt your, oh, your yeah, train of well, thought. But mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, she uh, is being auctioned off at this like auction where they're selling a bunch of like mythological well not really mythological creatures magic things magic things like werewolves and a mermaid and just mm-hmm. all sorts of craziness and um at she... the magical pawn shop <laughs> the magical pawn shop you never know what walk will walk through that door oh, lord <laughs> <laughs> oh man so um she comes up on stage and we're introduced to um the <sighs> The ancient Magus himself. Yeah, the ancient Magus himself. Yeah, um, Elias Ainsworth. Elias Ainsworth. Shout out to Andrew No Ainsworth. relation. <laughs> um, and he was like, forget all these other people throwing out these low numbers. I'm giving you like $5 million for this girl. Mm-hmm. And so he buys her and immediately he's very kind to her, which I don't think she was expecting. Mm-hmm. And um, Because essentially she's like being sold into slavery. Yeah. Like that... 
she has every impression that she's going to be bought mm-hmm. and then treated like a tool. Right. And, but I mean, honestly, he did kind of have an ulterior, uh, uh, wait, uh, ulterior motive. Thank you yeah. for, <laughs> for buying her. But like, he was still very kind to her mm-hmm. and treated her very well. And, um, he takes her home and gives her a bath. And that was a pretty charming scene. That was a very charming scene. And then it kind of goes from there where um, he just keeps, like, teasing her about stuff. And uh, he kind of goes around and introduces her to um, his friends, I guess, if you will. Um, you meet the first one, and she is a... She's like Winry. Essentially, yeah. She's like a magic Winry. Yeah. But, and, like, much older. Mm-hmm. And she can, she can make things that mm-hmm. are infused with, like, magical properties, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of what I took away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a very cute pet salamander, mm-hmm. who, honestly, is, like, the best character in mm-hmm. the entire movie. <laughs> See, I didn't, I didn't know if that was her... See, I read that scene as... Because you know that they establish early on that, like, Chisei's thing is that she, she, um... What what do they call what she is? Um, I can't remember exactly the phrase. It was a really weird phrase. Yeah, it was yeah. something that didn't really make sense. It was an English phrase. Um, a something buggy. Yes, yeah, something like that. Um, and part of what that means is that she like attracts like magical creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading that scene as those creatures just appeared because the the lady didn't seem to notice them at all. Like it, it's like she didn't even see them. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but so we'll, I mean, okay. that's how I read that scene, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could be wrong, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what it appeared to be to me that she, she, was that was like a side effect of her power, and she couldn't like see yeah, them. Yeah, but I guess that that particular character could see them too because she had the familiar and everything, which I would assume also mm-hmm. falls under that category of those creatures. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. It just struck me as strange that she didn't, like, interact with any of the little creatures that were sort of appearing, yeah. like that salamander. Mm-hmm. But, that you salamander know. was <laughs> freaking amazing. And then it followed them home. Yes. <laughs> it yeah. was like a cat. Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a very, like, sort of, like, all of those scenes were a very, like, Snow White sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah, without it being too sure. Disney. Mm-hmm. Um it's like all these creatures would just appear and they would be there sort of like part of the backdrop and part of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love sort of atmospheric fantasy like that. Yeah. Um, and they get into, you know, more of that whenever they go to meet the dragons mm-hmm. and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then after her, you get to meet Simon, which is a priest slash pastor slash mm-hmm. on the fence guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they describe him. Yeah. I wasn't sure exactly what they meant by that. I think maybe it meant even though he posed as these particular figureheads that he was still open to mm-hmm. all sorts of things mm-hmm. because like he's friends with Elias right. who is, you know, I don't want to say a demon. He's not a demon, but like he's a magical being mm-hmm. with like a skull for it like a skull for a face, essentially. Right. Like, <laughs> but he did say that, like, he said, "quote This all takes place in um, a version of uh, our modern day, um, like London and mm-hmm. like England." 
Um, so he said that part of the cultural culture of the Church of Britain is that they've been dealing with mm-hmm. sort of magical things for, yeah. for centuries. Right. So that told me that, like, the church as a whole didn't have a problem with magic things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe some of them do and some of them don't. Yeah, it's probably like that. Probably. And that may be explained later on. Yeah, so. maybe so. Um, so then you meet Simon and, oh, you get to see um, Elias be, uh, have a human face. Yeah, because he... <laughs> that looks like Simon, which is explained in the manga, but not in the in the show quite yet. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we get this beautiful uh, introduction to dragons, and dragons exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy who takes care of the dragons, his name was Echoes, Echo mm-hmm. or Echoes. I think so. Um, and he's actually way older than he looks and he's been taking care of the dragons for a very long time in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, They're able to just sort of travel anywhere yeah. they want because <laughs> Elias has this like magic TARDIS thing that he uses. Yeah. There's not an actual, actual it's, like, it's device. It's like a bunch of thorns. He, he casts a spell and then they're enveloped in light and thorns and then they just magically travel. Yes. Isn't he like the thorn mage or something? I that think that's were... what they call him. Yeah, that's like a title for yeah. him or something. Oh, I didn't talk about the fact that like Chise almost gets abducted by fairies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. These cute little fairies. I was just like, oh, and then they turn out to be like evil. Right. Sort of. And like they're, that. I'm not sure if they're evil. Maybe they just wanted to play with her or something. Yeah. Or, I don't but know. she did play with some dragons, and that was really cute. Mm-hmm. Like I, I loved that. Like you missed that because you got up to go to the bathroom. That's but, true. Um, the Way one... to incriminate me now. <laughs> now they're gonna think I'm much less credible because I had to pee during the film. <laughs> so the little dragon that actually had wings and could fly, he was like, "Hey, let's go up to that cliff and we can all take turns jumping off and diving into the river." <laughs> and she's just like, um, I don't think I can do that. I would have to, like, have a complete, like, genetic remodification. Like, that was almost the line. Mm-hmm. Like, And it was just, it cracked me up. It was so funny. So she got to play with some cute dragons. And then, um, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it, um... Oh, well, mm-hmm. and then she met a very, very old dragon who showed her how to fly. And then there was that, like existential scene that got me real teary-eyed i was mm-hmm. just like why is this making me upset mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there, there was a lot of uh themes and tones going throughout this and a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of feelings about like um especially from uh from chie's uh backstory and, chie? and chie oh chise, chise excuse me <laughs> chise's backstory um that were you know invoking a lot of themes about um like life and death mm-hmm. and humanity mm-hmm. um, and all of those things. And, you know, enough for me, at least in some moments, and I know you for sure, um, to really sort of react to those in a very, very emotionally resonating way. Oh, yeah. Like, I found her character extremely, like, relatable. And I think one scene that really, really stuck out to me, and I don't know if you caught it or if anybody else really caught it, but... um. Uh, Elias raises his hand, and she, like, winces back like Mm -hmm. he's going to hit her. Yes. And he just pats her on the head very, like, softly and gently. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, ooh, my heart. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, it was just a very, like, that that hit me 
metaphorically like, yeah to the you know it, it it was relatable like her just the way she was written like you didn't feel like i wasn't ever mad at her at any point for being like too like they didn't write her in an edgy sense mm-hmm. like oh man like my life sucks like i don't belong anywhere i might as well sell myself into slavery like you you felt bad for her mm-hmm. like you could really put yourself in her shoes and just yeah, her character her character was really relatable. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't w- written as this character that had gone through hardships and then becomes this sort of um oh woe is me sort mm-hmm. of character. Yeah, yeah. Because she's very quiet and very contemplative mm-hmm. and you see more of her feelings towards the world in the way that she reacts to situations yes. and much less about her her words. Um, and I think that that's a mark of a very well-done character that shows more through their actions than their words. Because that's, a lot of the times, that's how, you know, real human beings interact with each other. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people can say, you know, anything that they want, um, but it's more about what people do that tells you the most about them. Absolutely. And um, it seems like this show, from from where it's going from here, definitely seems to be um, the overall sort of theme of the show is like, Learning to have purpose Mm -hmm. and uh, learning to get over, you know, your past and Mm -hmm. where you've been so that you can focus on your future. Mm -hmm. Um, But a couple things that, you know, kind of concern me about where the show is going is that I don't want them to not address the fact that Chise is basically a slave. Yeah. Like... Regardless of how Elias is treating her, which, I mean, honestly, he's treating her very, very well, it's like she's still a captive person. And I hope that they address that question. I'm sure they will. Right, because I'm thinking in a situation in, in the story, if she were ever to want to leave... Like, I don't know how Elias would react to that. Mm -hmm. And, excuse me, um, I don't know how he would react to that. And how that would play out. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what the narrative is going to do with that question. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Like, this, like, just seeing this and reading a little bit of the manga, like, I really want to actively get into it to mm-hmm. see where it goes. I'm just so genuinely curious about the story. Me too. Um, but as a little side note, I did like that exchange that they had when they were walking back right before they met Simon, where uh, Elias is just like, so what happened to your family? Are your parents dead? And he was kind of just really blunt about it. And she was like, well, my mother died and I don't know about my father. And he said something along the lines of like, well, it doesn't matter your past, uh, how did he phrase it? It was like, it doesn't matter your past. Uh, I don't remember it word for word, but to kind of paraphrase it, it was just like, it doesn't matter what happened to you because you ended up at this moment. And I kind of took that as like, well, not, I don't think he meant it so much as like, oh, you know, because you didn't kill yourself, you're now my slave. I think he meant it more as of, you know, you didn't do that. So now you're here alive to be able to continue on and hopefully make something good. Right. Because, you know, making the choice to keep on living can be, that can be a very difficult choice to make for some people, like, uh, depending on, you know, what their circumstances are. But I think this show and the way that the story is progressing uh, from her point of view, regardless of like the actual narrative of the show, because Mm -hmm. this definitely seems to be something that is going to be driven by tone and character. Yeah. Um, is going to be about 
about Chise sort of learning to relearn what it means to, like, live mm-hmm. and to, like, have interpersonal relationships and create those connections where she had been so wronged in the past. Yeah, and that's a difficult thing to do. Like, for anybody who's ever been through that, like, it's very hard to, like, learn to live your life and cope in one way and then suddenly be taught the healthy and correct way to deal with those things and then you're like whoa i have to make a whole lifestyle change this is not easy at all right right and i'm sure that they will um explore that because i mean there there already are those scenes where she continues to doubt herself and continues Mm -hmm. to doubt her situation which is totally understandable because she's been thrown into this sort of fantastical world where she doesn't understand like her purpose, her powers, mm-hmm. or the people around her, but I'm, I'm sure with more time and um, gentleness and experience, she'll she'll learn to, mm-hmm. to be able to deal with these things. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, tone and style, um, I found it very similar to um, stuff like Kiki's Delivery Service, mm-hmm. um, where it's very atmospheric, yeah. very calm, mm-hmm. um, very slow-paced. I, I was relaxed the entire time. Yeah. I was very... Very focused, but very relaxed, and just so enthralled in what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a very fascinating world that they've set up. And um, my favorite type of fantasy is the kind that pulls from the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, since this does take place in a world not too dissimilar than ours, um, it's nice to see sort of a fantasy based in reality to steal the tagline of Final Fantasy XV. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Because I think it creates the sense in the audience of, you know, looking for magic in the real world. Yeah. Um, And I don't necessarily mean that in the literal sense. Mm -hmm. I mean just looking for the fantastical in the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And I think fantasy shows that base themselves in a version of our reality, sort yeah. of, at least for me, in my interpretation of those mm-hmm. things and in my, you know, taking in of those sort of things, that's the kind of feeling that I get out of yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I get that. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, down the middle with it. Like, I'm very peculiar about fantasy material. I either wanted to, like, go hard, like, Lord of the Rings, like, we're in the, you know, Middle Earth and everything is mm-hmm. fantastic. High fantasy. Yeah, or, like... I want it like this, where mm-hmm. there's elements to the modern world, mm-hmm. but, you know, for some reason, these people can still do magic, and they're mm-hmm. still, you know, magical creatures in existence, but, you know, on a very small level. Right, like so. a low-key scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought that there was a wonderful sort of tone of... Um, sort of environmentalism mm-hmm. in there as well, yeah. talking about... Um, you know, life from the dragon's perspective because, mm-hmm. you know, they stay around, they live for ages, and they have this different understanding than, um, a different understanding about what it means to be alive than mm-hmm. human beings do yeah. in this world. And the older dragon, I think his name was sort of with a K, either way, um, whenever he's talking to Chise about what that means, he says something along the lines of how there's such a different way that human humans think about death mm-hmm. than dragons. Yeah, I like that. I know I know what you're going for and I like that a lot too. So. Right. And um, you know, in a way, if you think about it and apply it to the real world, it's like, well, you know, a human being dying 
is not too dissimilar from any other creature dying. Mm-hmm. We all we all sort it's of go back to the earth. It's the value we place upon it. Right. And you know and you know, I think mourning has its place and I definitely think that we should we should grieve those that we lose, mm-hmm. but not to the point of despair because we know that they they don't ever cease to exist right. in a sense because mm-hmm. we we all go back into this, you know, cycle of you know, life and death mm-hmm. that breeds, you know, more life. Right. And then that the death of that life breeds more life. And then it continues on and on and on. And we're all part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that should be celebrated. And that's why I thought, like, those scenes where the, the baby dragons were, like, talking about how their uncle was like, oh, my gosh, she's such a beautiful tree now. Yeah, like, he's so cool. Exactly. Like, that made me so happy. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, That that's so strange, like, to experience and, like, see that. They were happy that. about it, yeah, in they, a way. They were just so, so honestly happy mm-hmm. that their loved one had gone back to the earth. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's such an interesting way to look at a scene like mm-hmm. that. Definitely. So... If this uh, story continues along that path, if the uh, anime uh, stays like that, I am going to be immensely entertained and probably yeah. feel many feels. Exactly. Like, those three episodes alone, like, managed to make me laugh, make me feel, like, so... I... And I know you mentioned something about, like, having the house moving castle feels. Yeah, definitely. When I was watching it, I, I felt that I, I had the same emotion when I watched Howl's Moving Castle as I did while watching these first three episodes. That right. just like, yes, I want to, you know, go live in this fantasy world and be happy in a field full of flowers and a little cottage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I like Elias way more than I like Howl. Listen, I will <laughs> fight you on this podcast. He's just like, like Howl... Hal is such... He's, like, half a character, in yeah. my opinion. Like, you barely... Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe one day we'll do an it, do do a podcast <laughs> episode about um, all the problems that I have with Hal's Moving yeah, Castle yeah. and all the reasons why you love it, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> absolutely nothing at all, because I think, in some ways, it is an absolutely wonderful yeah. film. Okay, get to the point. Okay. Um, well, I was thinking, like, Elias is... He's kind of, like, the Hal I uh, wanted Hal to be. Yeah. Because he's so charming, isn't he? He yeah, he's he's charming and he but he's got this sense of mystery yeah. and a sense of authority yeah. that you don't know his ulterior motives. You don't know really what's going on with him, but you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that mystery doesn't come off as malice, even yeah. though it has the ability to. Mm-hmm. So he's very mysterious, and I'm, I'm not sure of his motivations, but I'm immensely entertained and want to know more and i'm very much intrigued by his character definitely i want to know why he's a giant dead deer man (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. same Uh, and i think we had that like little conversation earlier about how we were wondering if that's really his form or like he puts that on because he doesn't want people to know his real form Mm -hmm. or something like that that's gonna be my guess yeah He's disguising his disguise when he goes out in public. Yeah, I just, I love when he puts on the human face, and he's just like, here, feel this, and like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, she's like, you look kind of (laughs) fake. Which is funny, because his face is based on the priest, so does he look fake to her? I guess so, I don't know. Um, Oh, that, that scene where, uh, 
Elias is talking to Simon, and, like, they're both out of the frame, and she stays, like, down here, because they're so much taller than her. I was like, gosh, that's what it feels like on a day-to-day basis whenever I talk to anyone. (laughs) Because Chise is very small, and Elias and Simon are very Very tall. tall. So, I lean to Tori, and I'm just like, that's what a tall person conversation (laughs) is like. um... The adults are talking. (laughs) I thought I thought the framing on that particular mm-hmm. shot was really was very funny. humorous. Yeah. Um. And this this is funny too. Like this. Yeah. And it's very um, funny. The the guy who gets the movies, the anime movies for the theater that we go to, I actually heard him say on our way out that he was pleasantly surprised about how much humor was actually in this. Yeah. He wasn't expecting it all at all. And um, there are some funny moments in the manga, but I think it like really translated well. Mm-hmm to the anime. Like, I mm-hmm. was laughing a lot more than I thought I would. Right, and it's not this sort of standard, sort of slapsticky kind of anime humor, quote-unquote. Um, I know Bill knows exactly what I'm talking about, because that's <laughs> one of his biggest pet peeves about anime, is that he can never get behind this sort of standard style of anime humor, and I totally mm-hmm. get that. Um, but this was, you know, humorous in a sense of the humor comes from the interactions between the characters. the dynamics of... Yeah. mm -hmm. Not from them, like, forcing jokes or anything like that. Like, uh, that part where she was just like, so I can leave, and he gave that kind of awkward laugh. He was Mm -hmm. just like, all about that. And just the way that was delivered was (laughs) so funny to Mm me. And um, I'm already very attached to the story and these characters, and I hope everything turns out okay. That's that's my main concern. (laughs) Me too. And, um... So the uh, actual series does not start airing until October. And I'm so impatient. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And the final episode of the prequel OVAs comes out in September, um, which follows uh, Chise whenever she is a small child and gives you more insight to her backstory, Mm -hmm. um, which is anime original and it's not in the manga. Yeah. Um, I have heard that there is a moderate amount of discourse between folks that are fans of the manga and how they feel about the prequel um, OVA. So I guess that remains to be seen. Um, I have not talked to anyone directly who has read the manga um, and has thoughts about the prequels, but I just wanted to address that and say that it's not unanimous that everyone loves it, but I could not tell you why because I'm just not not as familiar, but I definitely wanted to bring that up. So, um... So if you guys are fans of Ghibli films, Ghibli tones, um, this is definitely a film, or not a film, but a uh, series that seems to be in the same uh, vein as that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are elements of letting the scenery and the environment sort of be a character. Definitely. And um, sort of throwing this character into this strange world that they don't quite know how to navigate, but are slowly learning how to, um, and learning a lot about themselves along the way. Mm-hmm. So I found it very enjoyable, and Tori did the same. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you have any final thoughts about Ancient Magus Bride? Um, I told you earlier that I feel that if it continues to be as strong as it was from mm-hmm. what I saw... I feel like this will definitely work its way into my, like, top ten anime. Mm-hmm. And, like, it changes from time to time, but, like, what's in that list. But, um, yeah, 
I, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm excited to see where mm-hmm. it goes. Me too. Mm-hmm. So as always, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of Borderline Podcasts. And make sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, on Twitter, we are at BorderPan, B-O-R-D-E-R-P-A-N. On Instagram, we are Borderline Panels. On Tumblr, we are Borderline Panels. And on Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Borderline Panels. And again, uh, since we are having the wonderful opportunity to have voice actor Paul St. Peter on our show this weekend, make sure to submit any questions that you might have for him, either on our Facebook page or on our website or on our Tumblr or Twitter or anywhere else you would like to use to contact us. Um, anything else I might be forgetting, Tori? Not that I can think of. All right. Did you want to do the end? And from all of us here at Borderline Panels, please do not participate in the buying, selling, or trading of exotic animals.